0: Entering the Freedom Hut.
1: Allegations of voter fraud fly at Michigan hearings. The Durham Probe is now a special counsel. More lockdown hypocrisy in California. And Comey gets a Columbia U gig. This,
0: this is, is, is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission, mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence.
1: One Make no mistake. America. Great. here, great America.
0: The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now.
1: Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. The biggest question in politics right now in America, and therefore I think you could argue the whole world, is who really won this election? I know the media and the Democrats and a whole lot of folks are saying that this is... Not a real question. It's all over with. We all know that's what they tell us. It's all done. And any allegations of fraud should be dismissed out of hand. But I think you've also started to notice something, a narrative shift. You've seen things start to move a little bit because for the last few weeks, what have we been told? There is no fraud. Absolutely none. Zero. Hmm. That's interesting. Because now we're starting to see there are definitely irregularities and there's certainly early stage proof that there was voter fraud. So I think that the change in tone that you can expect, and it's already just beginning to happen, is, okay. fine, there was fraud, but not enough to change the results of the election. Even the attorney general, Bill Barr, in his statement, speaking on behalf of the DOJ, which he runs, saying that we have not yet found enough fraud to date to overturn the results of the election. That's not the same thing as saying there was no fraud, which is what the left and the Democrats have been claiming all along. Now, I understand this is hyperpartisan at this point. I understand that there are people who view the fate of the country as uh, enmeshed inextricably in this issue. But I also think it's very important, more than anything else, that we get it right and we get the truth. And even if the truth isn't what 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 a lot of us want to hear at this point, even if for many of us it's a disappointment, we need to arrive at that conclusion and then we need to move on as a country. But we're not there yet. We still have quite a ways to go. And that's in evidence at these various hearings that have been had by state legislatures, including yesterday in Lansing, Michigan where there were people who were coming forward publicly named individuals. These are not anonymous Internet trolls. These are not people that are hiding behind some some veil of, oh, I don't want anyone to know my name. No, they're coming forward and they're saying this is what I saw. And you had hours and hours of this. Now, yes, I understand in Michigan, the separation between Trump and Biden right now is over 100000 votes. So that's a lot. Even if we find a thousand votes here or a thousand votes there, that may not be enough to change the result. But it's in, it's important for all of us. It's critical. It's essential that every vote is counted that is legal and that we know that that's what happened and that we have put our system through this stress test and can come out the other side knowing that however this shakes out the next election, which. It's going to be on January 5th in Georgia, by the way. Uh, the next election is at least secure enough. It's never going to be perfect. Understand that there, there's no such thing as an election with paper ballots and mail-in ballots and all this with over 150 million votes cast where everyone just does exactly what they're supposed to do. But it has to be good enough, good enough that we have faith in it, good enough that we don't walk around saying it looks like it was stolen because right now based on just a cursory overview of the facts and figures and the indications of what would have been enough to win in previous years. It certainly looks to a lot of folks like the election was stolen. So we're not just going to pretend that's not happening. We have to look at what's really going on. And when you start to dive into these different cases, you see that there are people who very much believe and are operating in good faith that they saw things that were improper at a minimum. Maybe a mistake, but also very possibly fraudulent. And let's also remember that there is a high degree of culpability. It is the cynicism of Democrats in this election year in using COVID as an excuse to change, in some cases, as we see in Pennsylvania in likely unconstitutional fashion, to change the way people vote, and now there are problems and irregularities. Well, of course there are. These last-minute changes didn't go through regular process. In fact, some of the changes to the actual process may themselves have been illegal. As I mentioned, Pennsylvania, the most important case in point. And I think that that it is going to be overturned by the Supreme Court in Pennsylvania if they take this up. I think that if the the whole attention of the country is focused on the Supreme Court on this issue, there's a very good chance that Pennsylvania's results will not be able to be certified as we currently would believe them to be uh, because they changed election law and they were not supposed to do that. But now let's focus in on Michigan. You need to hear at least, right? The American people need to know what's going on. A lot of major networks, a lot of conservatives aren't even talking about this right now. They've already gone to the move-on position. Well, I'm not there. I say we fight to the last day. I say we fight to the last man, the last minute. So let's hear out our fellow citizens, our concerned fellow Americans who believe that they saw fraud, who believe that things in this election were not on the up-and-up. And And I will just tell you this. There's a, a surprising degree of Likeness, There's a a tremendous similarity in some of what you're hearing in these different states. Now, maybe that's because of the changes in the process with all the mail and balloting. So that alone caused there to be these irregularities. I, I mean, I I find that hard to believe, but I'm trying to keep an open mind about all of it. But there are certainly similar things being said about last minute ballot dumps, about stops in the ballot counting. Did that really happen? Did they match signatures or did they just decide to wave it all in? Did Democrats, without even having to be told, who were involved in ballot counting, who were involved in this process, recognize that they just wanted to count every vote because they figured that the more they open the floodgates, the better chances Biden had to win. Somehow not winning these House races, somehow not winning These other state legislative battles in countries and states all across the country. But they are so certain that Biden substantially defeated Trump in these states. I find it hard to believe. Here is a Michigan poll watcher. I'm just giving you this. This hearing went on for for a long time yesterday. So I want to give you some of, I thought, the most poignant moments of it. Here is this Michigan poll watcher talking about people uh, being rejected from the room who were Republicans. Play one.
2: I am an unaffiliated Michigan voter who uh, was trained by the GOP to be a poll challenger on Wednesday, November 4th, beginning in the late morning until around 8 p.m. because I was told that they needed help. They didn't have they were understaffed. I witnessed the room erupt in thunderous applause and derogatory cheering as Republican poll workers were picked off one by one and ejected from the room repeatedly by police escort throughout the day. By the end of the day, they had picked off so many GOP poll workers that there were probably only a few dozen left to monitor all of the processing stations in the room, which I'm told was between 130 and 160.
1: Why would that happen? Is there any reason this guy would lie about this? If he was just doing it for attention, I think he could come up with a a better story, but clearly something concerning here. Republican poll watchers pushed away so they can't see. And then there's cheering breaking out. Now, remember, this is in political terms, enemy territory. OK, when you're talking about Detroit, when you're talking about Philadelphia, these are 80-20 Democrat districts. These are 80-20 cities where the Democrat machine controls everything. You don't have people coming out and saying that this happened in in purple counties outside, you know, the suburbs and the exurbs and all this. You're you're not having that, at least not the same way. It's in these Democrat strongholds in key states that Biden was going to have to win. Now, I ask you, is that is the poll watcher? Is he making it up? At a minimum, isn't it suspicious? Isn't it concerning that this would happen? Okay, you say, well, Buck, that's one person. Well, no, there were others who said exactly the same thing. They were there to observe the count and they were made to be so far away that it was impossible for them to observe the count. Here's another Michigan poll challenger yesterday. Play three.
3: I was under the impression that as a poll challenger, our primary responsibility is to make sure before a vote is cast that that ballot is either in the registered poll book, the computer book, or in the the paper poll book, of which any time as a challenger I tried to look at the ballot and then try to verify it, I would get two or three of the poll workers literally screaming at me to get back six feet. However, we did not know that that had been overturned the night before, which would have been helpful. But um, at no time were we able actually to physically see the ballot and then see it in the, the poll electronic book. The person opening the ballot would probably be sitting where Senator Thice is and the electronic Screen that we were supposed to be watching is basically to where the committee clerk is. Now, I don't know if you guys got binocular vision, but I don't.
1: What's the point of a poll watcher if it can't watch the polls? How many people have to come forward with sworn affidavits and firsthand eyewitness accounts of exactly this going on in major Democrat-controlled districts? Now, this could all just be the, the kind of you know, rough and tumble political melee of the moment, I guess. Right. I, I don't. And by the way, don't don't yell at me or send me emails. Like, Buck, how could you believe that? I'm just working through this. I'm looking at all the possibilities. I obviously think something's funky here. I've been saying it's funky for weeks. But it's more than just you and me thinking that something is wrong here. We've got to establish how much wrong and we've got to be able to prove it. Prove it enough in court that a judge is going to say everything else, all this. Oh, but I know there was fraud. I know there was fraud. Yeah, we all know there was fraud. How much fraud? That's the question that matters. This is not some purity test for whether you believe the Democrats are scummy and Trump should have won this thing. Of course, we can agree on that one. But what do we know and what can we prove? those are the questions of the moment that's what we have to get real answers to and some of what was said in michigan was particularly concerning all right and and certainly deserves more scrutiny i spoke to matt brainerd who's the guy running the voter integrity project and he told me they're just crunching numbers and they're seeing people out of state voting they're seeing people who are listed as dead voting i spoke to sean parnell who I, I mean, I would trust that guy with anything. I would trust Sean Parnell with my life. I'd follow that guy, actually follow him in the battle. He's a good buddy of mine. And he says that they did the random sampling of nursing homes and it looked like the signatures and the handwriting on a whole bunch of ballots was all the same. Now, I know Sean's not making that up. There are a lot of people here that are coming forward with things that are suspicious at a minimum, and the media is just suppressing it, just suppressing it. They don't care. They got the result they think they want, and that's it. Now they're moving forward to Georgia, and they're going to try to take Georgia too in whatever way they can. You and I both know it. Now here's another allegation from a Michigan hearing witness about military ballots. Uh, this was among the most stunning. Play four.
2: One of the military ballots was um, not one of the military ballots was uh, registered voter. Um, and the ballots looked like they were all exactly the same Xerox copies of the ballot. They were all for Biden across the board. There wasn't a single Trump vote. And none of the, the voters were registered. They had to manually enter the names and addresses and a birth date of one 2020 which would override the system and allow them to enter non-registered voters, of which I saw several that day. Throughout the day, that's how they would override voters that were neither in the electronic po- poll book or the supplemental updated poll book. Thank you.
1: Is she lying? I don't think so. If she is wrong, if she's mistaken, then it's incumbent upon the people that are so sure that everything's fine here to show us that. Is she telling the truth? Yes or no? We need an answer. There's still a lot that we have to find out about this. This is not over.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
1: Wasn't just Michigan where there were some pretty bold allegations made this week. Again, in public, named people, people who have put out sworn affidavits. They're putting all their credibility behind it. They clearly believe what they're saying. They're operating in good faith. There's no reason for them to do this otherwise. There's no benefit to them. No one's going to make them rich or famous because of any of this. Here is a witness in the Arizona hearings, right? Arizona is another place. And you're going to have Nevada uh, in the crosshairs this week for election challenges as well. And I think there's going to be some really stunning stuff presented there based on my sources involved with the Trump, uh, the Trump election legal effort. But here's what was said in Arizona. Play clip two.
4: I kept looking at the screen because it seemed very odd. And in the bottom right-hand corner was a yellow yellow banner. And I got to a, into a position where I could see the yellow banner, which said low confidence. Then I started paying much closer attention to the signatures, thinking this didn't even make sense to me, because the signature on the ballot that was being compared to other signatures didn't even resemble in any way what they were comparing it to. They were completely illegible. They were just scribbles on the ballot. And there were five screeners screening low confidence ballots for an entire afternoon that I was in there. And I asked Celia um, what the low confidence said. And she said, just not to worry about that. Um, that this was a new program that they were testing.
1: Scribbles. Don't match the signatures. Doesn't matter. Just scribbles. That's all you need. This is in Arizona. Does that woman sound at all like she's been coached or she's making something up? No. she's telling the truth. More from the Arizona hearing. Here, play five.
3: The Wednesday before the Friday that we quit voting, so 10, 10 days before they quit tabulating, they thought they were done. And I, and then more truckloads of ballots would come in. And I'm like, how can you not know how many ballots are still out there? Uh, Mr. Chairman, I'm sorry. Would you repeat that? Yeah. They thought they were
5: done. They thought they were done
2: and multiple then there was times. A, there yeah. was what? Multiple
3: times the people that were running the rooms thought they were done or almost done or were going to be done Wednesday morning, then Thursday morning, then Friday morning. Then it went on the whole next week. And I'm like, I, I might ask the question. I'm like, you don't know how many ballots are still left to come in? I, uh, so I don't know. I don't know who does, again, process project management.
1: A lot of sloppiness. A lot of ways that things could have slipped in that shouldn't. Now, we're going to continue to chase all of this down, but I've been saying this all along as well. So we need to manage expectations here. To stop the fraud would have been much easier before Election Day. Ballots can be challenged in advance for people for places that have early voting and mail-in balloting. There was a lot that could have been done that wasn't done. And once those votes make their way into the general count em pile, if you don't have exact chain of custody, very difficult to get rid of them. And the tie is going to go to counting the vote. You and I both know that. So we have to stay on this and we will.
0: Thanks for listening to the Buck, Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple podcast, the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You know how you can always
1: tell that There's a problem Democrats don't want you to find out about when they start lying about something. When they misrepresent things that you can prove they're lying about, but they don't care. They're just hoping that enough people hear what they say, don't check it, and then it has the required or the, uh, the desired response, which is to just assume that it must be true. I mean, you should never assume that what Chuck Schumer says is true, but some people do nonetheless. Here is the senator from New York talking about how he claims Bill Barr said there's no evidence of voter fraud. Play 11.
2: Well, in, re- in response to Attorney General Bill Barr, I guess he's the next one to be
6: fired. Since he now, too, says there's no fraud, Trump seems to fire anyone in that regard.
1: It's not what he said. It's very easy to check this. Attorney General Barr said there's not not enough fraud that they have seen to date to overturn the election. That's a very different thing, isn't it? But, you know, they, they keep playing games with this. They keep pretending that people don't have access to the Internet and can't see what was actually said. And a lot of people won't. That's what's so frustrating. There are a lot of people that will just... Assume that Chuck Schumer's a senator. He wouldn't lie about something so obvious like that, would? He? Oh no, he, he's Chuck Schumer. He lies if he's if his mouth is moving. He's probably lying. Well, that's what happens there. And then there's uh, there's Preet Bharara. This was uh Obama's uh, Obama's hitman going after Dinesh D'Souza. Remember that? Try to try to send Dinesh uh, try to send Dinesh to prison for something that people usually get a fine for. Anyway, you know, he's a big lib preet with no surprise, started some podcast with his podcasting brother. Now they're producers suing them for millions of dollars. I'm, I'm sure he's a really good ethical individual and not some power mad prosecutor lib headhunter. Sure. Sure. Yeah. But here he is telling you uh, more, more of the same Bill Barr, who let's all be very clear. They tell you it can't be trusted. They said, how much did they spend the last, the last, let's say, 12 months? How much time when they were talking about Bill Barr was, was that he was Trump's, you know, Trump's little uh, throne-shining toady, that he would do anything for Trump, which is a total lie, a total smear of Bill Barr, who I, I know some of you are frustrated with him with the Durham probe. We're about to talk about the Durham special counsel, huh? A little different. But... I think the attorney general has done a very good job, and I have not forgotten. You know, you got to give people credit where it's due. I have not forgotten that A.G. Barr got ahead of the hysterical effort to use the slimy smear job of the Mueller report and the 10 possible counts of obstruction. He got ahead of it. And he's like, yeah, well, it's our call, and there was no obstruction. He defused that bomb that they threw at this administration. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. I know right now I'm seeing a lot of people, even people that I like on the right, being very hard on A.G. Barr. Guys, it's not a miracle worker. All right. Well, he's he's doing things in accordance with the law and they hate him. They hate the attorney general on the left precisely because he's competent and doesn't fly off the handle and doesn't get drawn into the. Sometimes loose cannon vibe of the trump team i'm just it's true you know it's true we operate in reality here so that's why when preet barara who uh i think they're considering for attorney general at least i've, I've seen rumors to that effect when preet barara is out there talking about bill Barr, you know that they're misrepresenting what's going on play 16
5: Interestingly, it was a deliberate choice. He has to have known that the president was not going to like it. You see uh, allies of the president are attacking Bill Barr all over the place because it's seen as a betrayal. This is the same man, Bill Barr, who on this network, on CNN, with our colleague, Wolf Blitzer, a few months ago basically said, I I expect, because common sense tells me so, that thousands and thousands of ballots will be fraudulently filed and sent to the United States from abroad with no proof or evidence whatsoever. And for him to say, in, in the face of what he knows the president wants and what the president's other lawyers are doing, Rudy Giuliani and, and et al., um, I think it's a deliberate thing for him to have done, and I think it tells you how weak the president's arguments are about fraud in all these states.
1: Notice he doesn't give him any credit, and Bill Barr is ten times the legal mind that Preparar is. Uh, Preparar really made his name by going after rich hedge fund guys and making a big show of it. And he didn't get the really big fish usually. He just would get somebody down the down the food chain and crush them, say, look at what a tough guy I am for the for the uh Southern District of New York. You know, really, really like to do the show trial thing. That's who Preet is. And I told you he also he went after um he went after Dinesh D'Souza. Clear political hit job. I mean, Dinesh broke the law and he admits that, but it was come on. It's a traffic violation. Give me a break. Gave a little extra money to a political campaign. Pay it back. Pay a big fine. Go about your business. Don't do it again. Should be a deferred prosecution even. It should. Anyway. It's outrageous. Outrageous. Oh, and you know who, you know who Preet's mentor is? To really understand what we're dealing with. You know who Preet Bharara's mentor is? James Comey. If that lanky, unselfaware, weirdo slimeball is your mentor, you got problems. You got big problems. And remember, Comey was given some really sweet gig. Seven figure gig to be a an advisor to a major hedge fund when his little buddy Preet was running the U.S. attorney's office, was the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, which does those kinds of Wall Street financial prosecutions. That's a great insurance policy to have in your back pocket, isn't it? Pay uh, weirdo Comey a million bucks. So it's really good. You think his really good buddy is going to investigate investigate the hedge fund that Comey's working for? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. No charges brought against that fund. What a surprise. A lot of other ones had at least investigations. But friends, now you know how the now you know how the game is played. You're seeing it all around you. You're seeing it. And and speaking of Dinesh, I totally agree with he had a, he had a tweet today where he said that. You can't figure out what's going on in the, in the world by looking at the news media. So understand that it's on you to figure it out. You know, and I, I would tell you, listen to this show, read as many different sites and authors, and you know, it's you're creating a mosaic every day in your own mind of what's going on. That's what you should be doing. Don't trust any one source, any one site. You know, some people you should trust a lot more than others, but you should always be looking for various perspectives and opinions, and and even beyond that, facts. There's an editorial process for what facts are presented to you more than others. How many of you could tell me, for example, off the top of your heads? And I don't say this is any sort of a criticism. I was doing a deep dive into this earlier in the week, so I was looking at it. You know that there are major cities in this country where they've already had 30, 40, almost 50 percent of small businesses closed, perhaps never to open again. San Francisco, Los Angeles, New Orleans, Chicago, Boston, New York. 30, 40, going up to 50 percent. Small businesses gone. They coming back? Maybe some. Who knows? Right. But that's not a figure you see a lot. What do you see every day? Oh, my gosh, the COVID cases are higher and higher and higher. Yes, the panic. The panic porn in the media. That you see all the time. The consequences of the lockdowns that don't actually have the benefits that they promise, that don't protect us in the way that's advertised. You don't see that, do you? The editorializing of which facts to present and which facts to suppress. Now, some good news about the Attorney General I'll spend some time on with you now. I have been critical, or I should say perhaps cynical, about the prospects of the Durham Probe to find real justice. Remember, the Durham Probe, was set up within the DOJ to look at the Russia collusion hoax, which that's what it was, to look at the Russia collusion hoax, top to bottom, and see if there was any criminality and produce a full report on just what happened there. Right? Okay. I had said that the bureaucracy will protect itself, but also in the back of my mind, I had always thought, There's a very real chance that if you hit a Democrat administration, they're just going to slow roll and then slowly kill that investigation. I mean, they'll just just drain it of drain it of resources. All the things they said Trump was going to do about the Mueller probe that he didn't do, including just shutting it down, a a Democrat, in this case, a Biden administration would do. So that was always a possibility uh, that I had in the back of my mind. And that's why I felt like there was a clock on this one. But Attorney General Bill Barr, he's a savvy cat. This is not his first. This is not his first rodeo in D.C. Remember, he was the Attorney General before, under George H.W. Bush, long time ago. So he knows what's going on, and he has come up with something that's going to be very upsetting for the libs. Oh, very upsetting for the Democrats. A special counsel designation. He is the attorney general, and he can do this. Ah, yes. A special counsel designation of the Durham probe. What this means is that they can't just make this thing easily disappear without showing everybody what a bunch of frauds and hypocrites and liars the Democrats are. Now, that does does not mean they're unwilling to do that. But at least now... It's like the tripwires, it's like the claymores are put in place, so to speak. If they decide to shut down this investigation, it will cause a political explosion, because what were we told for years by Democrats during the Mueller special counsel? Not only is it wrong if Trump were to shut it down, but the very thought of shutting it down was impeachable and had he shut it down which he did not do he should have been impeached and removed from office on that alone on that alone that's corruption the kind of co- kind of corruption that should get you as a president removed from office very clearly established that standard there's no question they absolutely set that in stone they can't walk away from it now they might try but they can't and so with that i say to you now They are going to have to deal with what we did, a dogged prosecutor. I do not believe that Durham is a partisan in all this, and so his findings may be somewhat disappointing. I also still stand behind my initial assessment, my initial prediction, that it's unlikely you'll see James Comey or any of the rest of them frog-marched out of their homes or, or offices in handcuffs. I don't think you'll see that happen. but. You could. Now there's a special counsel. It it could get ugly out there. And remember, there are people who are tied very much into the Obama orbit and the Obama administration who are at issue in Russia collusion, who, if not back under a Biden administration, if it happens, I'm just looking into the future here, if they're not back under a Biden administration, would certainly be a let's just say, a a PR blow for the Biden team if top Obama people ended up having at least the referral of criminal charges against them for the hoax they perpetrated with Russia collusion and the usage of the FBI and the intelligence community apparatus to go after and prosecute a political opponent, which is what they did to Donald Trump and his top advisors and his associates. That is what happened. Don't ever forget it. They will lie to you. They will gaslight you. They will pretend that you're crazy for saying it. They used the deep state apparatus of Hillary supporters within the government to try and stop the Trump administration, shut it down, get him thrown out of office, prosecute him, ruin his life. That's what they did. They cheated and lied to get there. And now with the designation of Durham as a special counsel, there's at least some chance I could be wrong, and this may be worthwhile after all.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show Podcast.
1: Now for the other side of this reality of the deep state and Comey and whether there'll be any justice. I often say this to you because it's true and it's important. There are some cultural differences between the right and the left. In particular, in how we treat those on our side who fight the good fight, at least from our perspective, right? On the right, if you're a conservative and you go out there and you make the case and you get chewed up, you know, you're General Flynn, you're, uh, you're any number of people who have been attacked for being Trump supporters, you're Sarah Sanders having lunatics scream at you in restaurants and all this stuff, and then you leave the administration and you're looking for a job. There are only a few places you can go. Why is that? On the left, when you fight the good fight for their side, so that means the dirty, underhanded and evil fight. But when you do what they need you to do, when you're James Comey, what happens to you? Do you get arrested? Do you even get criminally investigated, even though you leak documents? to The New York Times that you took in your capacity as an FBI director and a sit down with the president of the United States and should have been marked classified. but You said weren't marked classified. So therefore, you just get away with the whole thing. You know what happens to you? You get a seven figure book deal. You get six figure speaking gigs and a prestigious and I'm sure I'm sure well compensated teaching job at Columbia University Law School, one of the five best law schools in the country. What's James Comey going to teach? Sanctimonious nonsense from a deep state superstar? I mean, probably. But you see, there's a message sent here. If you do the Democrats' dirty work, anybody working in the government right now, anyone who's supposed to be a nonpartisan civil servant, if you're willing to leak that stuff that takes down a Republican, if you're willing to follow in the footsteps of Comey, protect a democrat from prosecution like hillary clinton who should have faced criminal charges for what she did with her email server if you do all those things they'll take care of you we need to come to grips with this we need to understand that this happens the left takes care of its ideological soldiers they do they're assassins they're hate men whatever you want to call them they take care of them they always land on their feet good jobs board seats speaking gigs books or just you know a consulting gig whatever it may be on the right we have all these conservative businessmen you know what they say when i when i try to talk to them and say why don't you hire some of these people they say ah i I know i don't i like my business i don't want to get boycotted this is one of the reasons the left gets away with what it does and why we have a tough time beating them
0: Thanks for listening to the Bus Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Battlefield Georgia. It's just weeks away, friends, and it's going to get more and more intense as it gets closer. The balance of the Senate here is what is at stake. Who is going to be in the majority? Huge implications, honestly, for whatever happens with the presidential election. We still need control of the senate so to tell us what's going on there and also just look more broadly at what's happening across the country with these voter issues we've got our friend ryan gurdusky with us now he is the author of they're not listening how elites created the national populist revolution he's worked on many political campaigns and knows this game inside and out ryan great to have you back thanks for having me so what's happening right now in georgia you were down there for a few weeks Tell me about the state of play, because Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people that are asking me questions like, Buck, hold on. If we have so little faith in what happened in the presidential election, and there clearly were problems, I mean, there were votes, thousands of votes that weren't counted and issues like that. What's going on down there right now? Is, Is the state GOP in command and control, or should we all be worried? Well, the state GOP is extremely
6: incompetent. I mean, it's 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 the problem with a lot of red states is that they are so used to winning and winning easily that they don't opt they oftentimes don't have the most uh, efficient people running the show because it's considered they can just sleep through an election cycle. Um, Their Secretary of State is a bumbling moron. There's no no doubt about that at all. I'll break some news to you. The Deputy Secretary of State, uh, this woman who's been apparently making a lot of the calls, back a few months ago, she wanted, and this is leaked to me by several people within the state party, she wanted um, to have uh, uh, one of the, uh, a rapper do a public announcement to sit there and try to get um, uh, try to get poll watchers. Uh, the The rapper who sings uh, uh, "WAP," uh, whose name I'm literally blanking out on. Uh, but anyway, the she wanted to have rappers sit there and try to get poll watchers. The biggest the, there's two fundamental. Uh, problems. Cardi one B, I is believe. That after Cardi B, yes, Cardi B. That's the one she wanted. Cardi B. If you know who that is, you want Cardi B to get poll watchers in Georgia for the Republican Party. Um, it's just a joke. Uh, the problem essentially comes down twofold. One is that they have they have the, the, the Secretary of State did not mandate that um, counties report how many absentee ballots they had in on election night. So, Cobb, uh, Gwinnett. Uh, uh fulton all these counties uh did not sit there and report um how many how many ballots were outstanding and the problem was they kept on finding them they found thousands of thousands and poll watchers were forced to leave major poll sites um and even though votes were still being tabulated so there's opportunity for fraud even if there isn't election fraud even if there was an election fraud the id the opportunity for election fraud is boundless Another big problem is they created this system, the system the local county board of elections created a system called drop boxes where you could sit there and just drop your ballot in the box and the, they would be picked up and they're secure, apparently, and, and brought to the council later on. That is illegal under Georgia state law. Under Georgia state law, a ballot has to be delivered in person by two people watching the, the the ballot being delivered, because what also is illegal in Georgia is ballot harvesting. Now, when you're del- dropping off tons of ballot or you have the potential to drop off tons of ballots in a drop box, uh, which apparently has a camera, but the cameras aren't being used to sit there and watch people delivering more than one ballot. They're being used as that. They're making sure that nobody's destroying the drop boxes. Um, so you have a problem with that as well. These drop boxes, no one is suing as of right now to so sit there and get these drop boxes removed. And every county is allowed to decide how many drop boxes they want in the county. Uh, all those things are really you know, working against us. And the state party really needs to ratify a lot of these problems um, and I have a lot of confidence in the state party. I think, listen, they need to pick up one of these two sentences. David Perdue was just a few thousand votes shy of, of missing a runoff Um, He's well-liked even in areas where Trump wasn't well-liked in the outside uh, suburbs of of, of Atlanta. Uh, Stacey Abrams has been been running around screaming there's 900,000 absentee ballots already um, in the mix. As usual with Stacey Abrams, I've come to realize that oftentimes she takes credit for things that she doesn't necessarily deserve credit for. Um, Most of these absentee ballots are for seniors that normally would get absentee ballots. There's not a huge surge in the number of absentee ballots in the city of Atlanta. Um, It's pretty evenly dispersed statewide um, because it's just for seniors.
1: Um, So 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 we're looking pretty good on on Purdue and shouldn't panic over this nine because I've seen that number. Uh, thrown around a lot, 900,000 absentee
6: No, yeah. I I reached out to people yesterday in the state party and they said it's not that serious. And then I looked at the breakdown of every congressional district and it's almost exactly evenly dispersed. I mean, there's a little bit more in Atlanta, but it's not sizably more. It's not like 899,000 to one the rest of the state. It's like... Seventy five thousand, eighty thousand, eighty nine thousand, seventy eight thousand. So almost evenly run across the entire state of Georgia.
1: We're speaking to Ryan Gurdusky, author of They're Not Listening, How the Elites Created the National Populist Revolution. And he was down in Georgia uh, seeing for himself what's going on there with these upcoming races. Ryan, there's been all this all this uh, dust up over whether the uh, GOP and it is a GOP controlled state. Would allow for signature matching in the recount in Georgia. It seems to anybody reading or, or paying attention to this, it seems like why wouldn't they allow that? Can you tell us what's going on?
6: So, this is what I've heard, and I, I can't exactly confirm this uh, from more than just uh, like voice of mouth from people and the state party is that when When Brian Kemp became the governor, he was originally a secretary of state. When he vacated the position of secretary of state, immediately upon winning the governor's election, the former governor, Nathan Deal, appointed somebody, a a longstanding government bureaucrat, to sit there and to become the active secretary of state for several months. She dealt with the onslaught, this woman who was appointed, dealt with the onslaught of lawsuits from Stacey Abrams. She conceded a lot of points to Stacey Abrams and allowed her apparently to sit there and get away with a lot of things like having the NAACP be poll watchers, having a motor voter, which allows everyone who has a driver's license in the state to be a registered voter, Um, uh, sat there and okayed the idea of not not matching signatures. The uh, big problem is, is because of COVID, someone in the state party or the Secretary of State's office thought that we didn't want to sit there and spread COVID by, I guess, people sharing a pen. So in some cases, they did not have to sign at all to sit there and get to to vote. Um, There's a lot of, it's a lot of ineffective people running different state parties. However, I will sit there and remind people two important things that worked against President Trump that clearly were that there's no there's no evidence of being fraud or 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 bad run state parties one david purdue did outperform in all the suburbs of atlanta and secondly and most importantly the ninth congressional district the second most republican congressional district in georgia it's northwest georgia um that district Pretty substantially underperformed as far as turnout goes. They had about 75,000 fewer votes come out of that district than in the neighboring districts. Um, and that district, being one of most Republican, would have delivered Trump the state, would have delivered David Perdue the state. It's in the Chattanooga television market, and that television market did not have a single ad running for the entire duration of the campaign, Um, and especially the last few months. There was re- and the Democrat and the Democrat congressional candidate dropped out. So there wasn't a grassroots movement to sit there and from the congressional candidates to sit there and try to pull people out. A lot of the state legislatures were un uh, were were, were had, didn't have an, a Democrat opponent because it's such a Republican area. So grassroots efforts to sit there and kind of maybe pull the stragglers or the low hanging fruit or or the or some of the low uh, energetic voters to sit there and get them out that would have probably made or broke the state. I think that they're kind of realizing that now. Um, And also, it's not the Georgia Republican Party that's just involved in Georgia right now, the RN of the RNC, um, has also has over 450 people on the ground right now in Georgia. So they're mobilized and they're energetic and they run a pretty efficient operation.
1: Speaking of Ryan Gurdersky, author of They're Not Listening, How the Elites Created the National Populist Revolution. Ryan, I'm sure you've seen uh, some of the testimony out of Arizona, out of Michigan, Um, I've been speaking to people on the ground in Pennsylvania who I I think Pennsylvania, there's clearly issues. I mean, there were clearly when I say issues, I don't just mean allegations of fraud. They changed the election procedure in a state where you're not allowed to do that without the legislature actually making those changes. So I I think Pennsylvania is going to be a place where the lawsuits could actually George,
6: the, the drop. Those drop boxes are against state law. And they still have them there. That is, I mean, it's literally in the statute and, there and says how people should be allowed to vote absentee and these drop boxes violate the state law. I, I, I
1: don't. Why aren't uh, they suing? I mean, we got know. a GOP Here's there. The You're law. talking to these guys. Why? Why aren't they suing?
6: I bring it up till I'm blue in the face. Maybe I'm not speaking to the right people, I don't know. They are, and I will say one thing, the attorney general's office is investigating these groups that are trying to register new voters right before the runoff, because allegedly, I saw this firsthand in New York City, several apartment buildings my friends live in, they had dropped, they had they had literature being dropped from their house saying register to vote in Georgia. So they are investigating those groups. I don't know why they're not speaking for the drop boxes. I. Uh, Coming from the world of campaigns, I will say two things. One, after a vote is already cast, it is extremely unlikely that a judge is going to sit there and strike that ballot simply for the fact that they do not want to uh, deter people from voting and sit there and try to say and argue this is not a legitimate ballot. It's just the way judges usually work. Yes. Secondly, if the Georgia state legislature right now tried to convene to change all these laws, some 60 days before Election Day, there would be a very, very hard time for that to get passed. Also a judge, a judge would probably rule you can't change election law within uh, 60 days of an election. I think that the more likely thing to do right now is to sue over clearly violations of the law and also for the Secretary of State's office. And I wish there was a stronger Secretary of State. I asked everyone, I said, what was his past job? They said, he was just a rich guy who wanted to be a statewide elected official. Um, I wish that the the Secretary of State's office would have sat there and I don't know, had Marshalls had somebody there in, I mean, most of the votes in Atlanta are counted in one giant super center have someone sit there and and They that if were leave, they were to leave with them, um, that wasn't secure. They found 60,000 absentee ballots days after the election and they said, oh, we forgot to click the upload button on the computer for the 60,000 ballots to show. Those should have been stopped immediately and checked out and, and inspected and when they were actually even put into the computer and processed. All these things are extremely worrisome. I will say I do have more confidence in the Republican Senate committee being involved on the ground in georgia than i do the georgia gop but after this happens georgia needs to realize they are not south carolina they are looking closer and closer to being virginia and they need to really realize that they are in a changing state they need extremely competent people it can't be the good old boy system where someone's great uncle who's been loyal to the party becomes chairman of one of the most important counties in the state which i saw time and time and time again
1: we gotta ask you this before we let you go ryan You've seen what's going on with these hearings in Arizona and Michigan, and uh, there's one in Nevada, I believe, it will happen tomorrow. Uh, is the case, is Trump's case, in your mind, is it getting stronger, or is it is it just disappearing over time?
6: I don't, I don't know. I, I I'm not a lawyer, and I i have never run absentee ballot challenges in any of these states before if it was new york i could tell you a much more substantial than i can do it in any of these states i will say that trump's tone and conversation has changed over time you know at the christmas party yesterday he sat there and said see you in four years um it's more likely that he's talking about running again in 2024 than he is that he will be the president in
1: 2021 ryan grudusky everybody they're not listening how the elites created the national populist revolution check it out
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
2: You're 90 to 95 percent immune after the second dose. Uh, But if there's still a lot of COVID circulating in your community, then you can still get infected, much less likely, but you can still get infected and you can still get sick. So that's part of the reason why, at least for a short period of time until there is widespread vaccination, we need to have everybody still wearing masks when they're out and about. But look, once we get to 70, 80% of Americans getting vaccinated, that will really bring the pandemic under control, at which point I think certainly in low-risk situations we don't have to be wearing masks anymore. Uh, Life will really begin to get better. And I'm hoping that's, by the way, like May, June, uh, not uh, like in 2022 or something. So I I do think there will come a time when we don't have to wear masks as much. Uh, But that's not going to happen until a lot of Americans have gotten vaccinated.
1: So let's be very clear about what this doctor on The View is saying, because I've been telling you that this is going to be what happens all along, because I understand their mentality. Even if you are vaccinated, you still have to wear a mask. Think about that. So even if you get a vaccine that is 95 percent effective, far higher than what they were even projecting six months ago, You're still going to have to wear a mask. You wear a mask until they say so. Wow. Yeah. These these are the new rules. This is the new world we live in. Still have never heard anybody explain why we're not going to have to wear masks in flu season. Oh, those the tens of thousands of people who die every year from flu, they don't count. Masking isn't a big deal, right? Why not enforce this all the time? I know I shouldn't give them ideas because I'm worried. I'm starting to think that they might bring this back even after this pandemic is gone. Yeah, why not? Right. They like this. Do this because I said so. Do it. Uh, yeah, I've, I've got a vaccine. I'm 95 percent protected against this. That means 95 out of 100 people. The vaccine are, aren't going to be infected at all or aren't going to show any symptoms and be able to transmit it to anybody. And they're still saying everybody has to wear a mask. You see mask, mask, mask. Now, remember. At the beginning of this, they said, don't wear masks. But th- that's how obvious it is. I'm sorry, I'm not letting this go. That's how obvious it is that this protects you, that at the start of this, when they thought there was a three to five percent fatality rate, far higher than the actual fatality rate by a factor of hundreds, they said, don't wear a mask. But now it's, it's essential that you do this. It's essential. They're not going to let this go. Um, no, I get vaccinated. I'm not wearing a mask. They can arrest me not doing it. When I get that vaccine in my arm and I'm 95 percent good to go, I'm not wearing a mask anymore. Not on the treadmill, not on the elevator, not out on the streets. We got to draw a line here, folks. We got to draw a red line on this. Enough is enough. These people are out of their minds. But notice this. This is what happens when you give people some power and put them in charge. Why, why can't they make every decision about your life? It's life and death. Why can't they tell you what you can eat? What, well, as we know, the Libs like to do these things, whatever they can get away with. Dictating to you they will do. Oh, you think that this is just for COVID? You don't think they're gonna pull a climate emergency on you and tell you that it's sorry, the world is at risk. It's about saving the world. Gotta tell you everything that you can do about your life, your business, you name it, climate emergency. I'm 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 still appalled at how much people have gone along with this idiocy all along. Just do whatever they say. They show you what frauds they are constantly, but we're supposed to do whatever they say. Okay, sure. At least Dr. Rand Paul is out there saying people need to say enough is enough. Okay, they need to start telling people to go blank themselves when they say, "Oh, you've been vaccinated; you still have to wear a mask." What, what's what is the chance that a person who is vaccinated, any one an individual? What is it, one in a hundred thousand they're going to give it to somebody and that person's actually going to die? I mean, really, what, what crunch the numbers on this? What are the chances that any one person here's Rand Paul saying exactly what I'm saying, which is that don't let don't let them get away with this nonsense. Play 20.
2: Trying to take some precautions is reasonable. But uh, there are now people saying, Dr. Fauci included, that when we have a vaccine, you're still going to have to wear a mask. So people do need to push back. I'm one of those who are immune and I keep pushing back. 13 million Americans have had this. We don't need to tell them they have to wear a mask.
1: Notice, though, it's just it's become a cult now. Even if you've had COVID, they want you wearing a mask because, you know, it sends a symbol to other people. Oh, but I thought this was about life and death and health. I didn't think it was about the symbolism that some people want to see. I'm telling you right now, hard line on this one. I get vaccinated, not masking up, maybe for private businesses, but not in my own home, in my own building,
0: not on the streets. No, sir. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sex, and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Times are tough, but I want you to know that help is on the way. Last week, I announced the nominations and staff for critical foreign policy and national security positions. A first-rate team that's going to keep us safe and secure. And today, I have the pleasure... I have the pleasure of announcing key nominations and appointments for the critical economic positions in the administration. A first-rate team that's going to get us through this ongoing economic crisis and help us build the economy back. Not just build it back, but build it back better than it was before. Helpers on the way!
1: Remember that, Mr. Doubtfire?
2: Helpers is on the way!
1: Yeah. Here's Joe Biden telling you that uh, the economic the economic genius, the people that he's bringing in, is going to really get things going for the economy. Their version of helping the economy is taking more from people who are productive and trying to fa- find more ways to spread that money around at the government's whim and act like that's somehow making us all better, richer, wealthier, more prosperous. That's what they do. That's the situation, but... You're, you're supposed to believe that this is going to make your life better. We had eight years of Barack Obama's economy. You remember that? Do You think that that was good? No, they had to make excuses all the time. Oh, he inherited a depression. Oh, it was so terrible when he came in. That was what you heard for years. Yeah, it's not really so good. Yeah, I know. But they made excuses for it. And then eventually, because you know, this is America, got back on its, the economy got back on its feet, was doing pretty well, wasn't great, wasn't what it should have been. And then Trump came in, the economy, boom! you know we're going to go back to? Okay, maybe it's not as good, but everyone's going to pay their fair share. There'll be more redistribution of wealth, more of the government in charge of your life, your spending, all of it. That's what we're heading back to. That's where we're, we're going here. And I think we should all remind ourselves of that. Plus, some heavy doses of social justice and left-wing lunacy via economic policy, monetary policy. Here's Janet Yellen telling you what she plans to do if she becomes Treasury Secretary, which is Biden's plan. Play 10.
7: Gender disparities that keep women out of the workforce and keep our economy from running at full force. It's a convergence of tragedies that is not only economically unsustainable, but one that betrays our commitment to giving every American an equal chance to get ahead. But I know this team will never give up that commitment. As you've said before, Mr. President-elect, out of our collective pain as a nation, we will find collective purpose to control the pandemic and build our economy back better than before to rebuild our infrastructure and create better jobs, to invest in our workforce, to advance racial equity and make sure the economic recovery
4: includes everyone.
1: Racial equity, climate change. This is what the Treasury, this is what the uh, would-be Biden administration Treasury Secretary thinks is her mandate. Gosh, almost like the Libs understand all along that the economy is just a giant opportunity for social engineering and social justice tinkering. Oh, yeah, they know. Get ready for a lot of that. Get ready for that to become uh, more stand. assuming that, you know, these legal challenges don't work. I think can you all just uh, give me give me uh, a give me the expectation here is that I'm, I'm going to whenever I talk about Biden and his team, the administration I'm not I'm not throwing in the towel, but I'm just dealing with what we're being presented here as this transition is is allegedly going forward. Okay, or the transition is going forward. It's allegedly a done deal. So I'm not saying it's a done deal, but this is what's happening in Democrat land. This is what's happening with Biden and the folks around him. Uh, So I think that's it's uh, worth at least dealing with here. It's worth at least looking at what's happening and understand that. The uh, Democrats are planning to do everything they can to mold the country more in their image, which is going to be a full throated embrace of the kinds of corporate diversity rhetoric and all all this stuff that we see. I think just in New York now they're talking about mandating diversity on corporate boards. You're going to see a lot more of this. Some of these social justice issues that America hasn't been constantly bombarded with by The Trump administration, if anything, Trump has been holding back this tide, they're going to come back. There's going to be a whole lot more of this, and we need to be ready for it because they haven't changed at all on any of this. In fact, here, I I remember just just a little bit of a, a review under the Obama administration. Barack Obama himself as president was so devoted to the idea of making bathrooms. I believe it was in. South Carolina could be North Carolina, though. I got to check. But in one of the Carolinas was so devoted to a a federal education policy that would mandate transgender student bathroom usage of their preferred gender. Right Now, notice you can anyone can transition and that's to be celebrated at any age. You can be five, eight, twelve. Doesn't matter if you transition. It's affirmation. It's celebrated. You'll see, though, the left has a big problem with people who then want to transition back. Because, well, what does that mean? Does that mean that they didn't actually need to transition in the first place? Does it mean that this is just a decision? If, if this is innate in who you are, how can you transition twice? How can, it, how can you affirm two times? Right? They, they, again, they will always have this cognitive dissonance, what they're saying It is best summed up by the very, very obvious question, but one that they don't have a good answer for. What is a woman? Ask a liberal this. You see this all over social media. What is a woman? And they will hesitate for a second. I would I would sit here and say a woman is somebody who is a female, has female anatomy and has, you know, XX chromosome. Right. That's a woman. Uh, they would say, "Well, a woman is someone who self-identifies as a woman." Hmm. But then, when you dig into that a little bit more, you say, "Well, does that mean that I can I can I self-identify as a woman today and change my mind tomorrow? If not, why not?" No, re- really push them on these issues, right? Because they're they're always there's a desperation on the left to create. In their minds, and this goes very deep into the into the culture of left wing politics and the Democrat Party in America, they're desperate to create this notion that they are fighting in a new civil rights struggle, that they're the great heroes uh, of periods past where there was real oppression in this country, where we do have a, a legacy of slavery and you know women were not allowed to vote and all these different areas where there needed to be changes over time. There needed to be fights that we had to have. Right. Um, fights that we had to have to be a more ethical, more moral country. Never perfect, but certainly needed to be better than we were on some of those issues as a country. Um, You know, the great stain of our past slavery. We are constantly reminded of this, not just by the left, but in any history class that's worthy of the name. okay, so with all of that, now they're looking for another way to pose as the great heroes of the moment. And they've picked because we now have. Uh, You know, gay marriage is the law in all 50 states. Uh, We now have transgender rights is this the latest frontier. But this is running into some problems because it's not clear even by the left's own rules and dictates. Well, how does this all work? But one thing that you can be sure of is that whatever radical leftist position is fashionable at any point in time, you'll have people like Chuck Schumer Agreeing with it. And here he is talking about what he wants the Biden administration to do. Play clip 12.
7: Joe Biden said that on his first day of office, he will give transgender students access to sports, bathrooms and locker rooms in accordance with their gender identity in all federally funded schools. Do you think he has the ability to do this? And do you agree with this decision? I
1: agree
6: with the decision and I know he'll check things out thoroughly legally.
1: Agrees with the decision. That's right. Chuck Schumer wants anatomical males, 12 year old boys who are identifying as female. We should really dive in more to why there's this huge surge in people identifying as different genders all of a sudden and why the left gets very angry. when anyone actually does research into this. But a 12 year old boy who identifies as a girl is now going to be uh, using the girl, you know, under a Biden administration would be federally mandated. This would become a. A, an issue of of federal regulation, a federal education policy. They'll be using the bathrooms of your 12 year old daughter and the same locker room and the changing areas and all that stuff. I remember when even 10 years ago, if you said this is where the left is heading because I was a part of those debates, they would tell you never we would never do that. I used to use examples like what about a a male inmate in a prison who's got a 20-year sentence that says, you know what, I want to be in a female prison. I identify as female. If you're a biological male, you are a lot safer in a female prison than you are in a male prison, as well as other reasons why some people might choose to do that. And I said, well, isn't that, can't we all agree that that's crazy as a policy? And they would say, oh, of course, we're not trying to do that. We're not making that our new stand. Well, turns out, That is now possible. They have to go through. There's some process they've put in place to prove that it's a a real transition. But now they will put biological males in with in with females in a prison system. Now they will put uh, biological males against women in sports. And I'm sorry that this is sad. This should not be happening. It's wrong for the women who have their ability and their skill relative to their gender, because that's a real thing. Uh, effectively nullified by someone who comes in who says I identify as female and all of a sudden is winning, winning all the races bigger and stronger than the women. Like this is a surprise to anybody. Oh, but liberals are also, oh, but we want to be the nice people and we want to feel inclusive. It's not inclusive for the girls that have been, you know, trying as hard as they can, working long hours at the track so they can get as fast as possible to have some guy come in who's Six feet tall and 185 pounds and has, you know, much greater muscle uh, muscle mass and much less body fat relative to his peer group, which is now females and is beating all of them. They clap for this. They think this is good. There's even a transgender female who was fighting an MMA for a while, which is really dangerous for women to get into a ring with a guy. And I hate when I have all these people who confuse feminism, girl power With what I'm talking about. Okay. Let's not live in a delusional world. Let's live in the real world. Women are overwhelmingly going to be smaller, lighter, not as fast, not as strong as men of comparable age group and and activity. That's just reality. We all this is true. We all know this. But they want us to forget this. They also want us to forget back to the transgender uh, student issue. Oh, and I brought up Obama. Obama during his administration, was threatening federal funding for public schools, made it very explicit, federal funding for public schools, unless people use the bathroom of their gender identity. So they'll, and that's, I mean, when you talk funding with schools, the Department of Ed folks, I mean, they'll, you know, they'll do whatever now. I mean, they'll, okay, sure, you know, whatever you want us to do. So get ready for more of this. And these fights are also going to coincide with a lot of efforts at cancel culture, These debates are going to be full of of lies and smears meant to hurt people's careers, meant to hurt their livelihoods. If you won't call, I think I think her name is Ellen Page, just decided or just announced, I should say yesterday that that she is a man. If you use the wrong pronoun, people are going to come after you. And they might use the force of law against you. You know, you would say, well, how would they do that? I mean, if you're in an office setting now. And someone is a he and you call that person a she is that is that now discrimination? According to, unfortunately, the Supreme Court and Neil Gorsuch seems like it is. So now you have to lie about somebody's gender as a matter of law. That's the country we're living in now. Gender is a is a binary. It is a real thing. It is or is not. We can all observe it. We all see it. We all know there are cases where gender can be unclear as a physical biochemical manifestation. But that's not what we're talking about. And if it is what we're talking about, all these other people who are just psychologically affirming some other gender don't that's a different thing. So they won't they won't actually use that as the explanation for this. But this is coming your way. And this is this is happening. If there's a Biden administration, there's going to be a lot of stuff that you're told you better believe you better sign on for. And they're going to they're going to try to force you To bend the knee. There's a tremendous amount of rage and resentment stored up after even only four years of Trump here. The left wants a purification of America through leftist pain. Get ready for it.
0: You're in the freedom hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
3: Just don't have time to waste time. We have a couple of weeks left here. Obviously, it does require bipartisan support to get out of the Congress, but it requires a presidential signature, and this government is in place for sure, for the next month.
1: Yeah, they'll just wait it out. They don't care that people are suffering. Democrats will wait this thing out. Does not matter to them. That's the plan. That's what you see happening. And they're going to play this game too. I mean, Senator King is is an idiot. I mean, this is he's a particularly dumb fellow. But he'll play dumb even dumber than he is in order to do this whole, what do you mean the Republicans won't just go along with our proposed bill? The Republicans have offered up money for COVID suffering, for COVID problems. Democrats are saying, "Yeah, we'll agree to pass that, but you also have to do all these other things that have nothing to do with COVID that we want." They're holding the funding hostage. That's what they are doing. But Senator King is going to say, oh, I don't understand what's going on here, Play 8.
0: We really tried to come to a middle ground, and we got tired of waiting, frankly. And uh, I, I don't understand what the uh, majority leader's problem is. But, John, there, there's an important thing about the majority leader that isn't in the civics books. And that is that he or she has absolute power over what comes to the floor of the U.S. Senate. We can have a bill supported by 99 senators. And if the majority leader said, I'm not going to bring it up, it doesn't come up. And there's no mechanism seriously to make that happen. So he's got to listen. And I'm hoping he's going to listen to the members of his caucus saying, look, we need to do something. It's urgent. People are going to be losing benefits. People are going to be losing their places to live. They're going to be evicted. Uh, Schools are going to have really serious problems. We've got to do something. And we put forward a good faith effort to to make that happen.
1: No, they haven't. They could have just signed the bill, gone forward with the bill, I mean, voted for the bill that Trump signed it months ago. But they won't.
0: (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Bus, Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I guess you can use a snappy slogan like defund the police, but you know you've lost a big audience the minute you say it, which makes it a lot less likely that you're actually going to get the changes you want done. But if you instead say, let's reform the police department so that everybody's being treated fairly, you know, divert young people from getting into crime. And if there's a homeless guy, can maybe we send a mental health worker there instead of an armed unit that could end up resulting in a tragedy? Suddenly, a whole bunch of folks who might not otherwise listen to you are listening to you. So the key is deciding do you want to actually get something done or do you want to feel good among the people you already agree with?
1: Uh oh. Obama said stuff that got him in trouble here with the left. Not allowed, not allowed, not allowed to do it. By the way, he didn't even say that he wants to, or that he opposes defunding the police. He just said it's not a smart slogan. And that's obviously true. Defund the police is crazy. It's a crazy, it's a crazy thing to say. Right. Now I, I understand that when you when you push, and I've talked to activists about this, when you push people on defunding, what they'll say is, oh, but it's about a it's like a conceptualized future. When you ask a leftist what does it mean to defund the police, they mean all the things that Obama was saying. Bo, we're we're gonna do more of this, we're gonna do more of that, we're gonna send you know, a healthcare worker or a social worker or a psychiatrist, not a cop for all these different things. And we're going to de-escalate it. We're going to do all the. That's all nice. It's a little bit like saying, though, and and it's a different context. I understand police are not soldiers. But imagine if you were, uh, you know, imagine if you were taking a a approach to a military conflict and you said, uh, let's defund the military. And then you say, well, hold on. No, you can't do that. I said, no, but by defund the military, we just mean not having airstrikes on civilians by accident and not having, you know, collateral damage and casualties and things like that. So we're just going to defund the military to get to that. People would say, well, that's completely insane because you're already trying to do those things. There are already policies in place uh, for for problems. You you don't want to blow up the wrong house with an airstrike. You don't want civilians to get killed. The answer, of course, is not to take money, take all the money from the military and act like you don't need a military. So, I mean, defund the police in the same way is insane. They look at problems. Most police in the country, you know, 99 percent of cops, 99 percent of the time. And the, all the statistics bear this out are acting, you know, reasonably are acting in good faith and are doing a good job of protecting people. That's the reality of law enforcement in America. That's what we actually see on a regular basis. But what the radicals, what the you know, what the left pretends we see is just an endless stream of evil cops murdering people for racist reasons and so we have to have this sweeping overhaul of the police across the country. And that's just it's just it's it's I don't know what to say, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, but you see people you know, like Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar and others, they have blasted Obama for this. They're, they're upset with Obama for saying this. What could be more obvious than what Obama said? He wasn't even passing moral judgment or, or any judgment really on the stupidity And insanity of defund the police, what he was doing was saying, hey, guys, don't use that slogan. That's a bad that's a bad political move because people who are normal and not brainwashed leftists are going to say you're going to defund the cops. What happens then? You're going to defund the police. And so then who's going to come when someone gets shot in my neighborhood? Who do I call when there's a burglary? Oh, Well, then you hear all these different things, too. Well, of course, it doesn't mean there's no police. It doesn't mean there's no police. Defund the police doesn't mean there's no police. Um, Okay. Um, Someone explain to me then what what that does mean. (laughs) You keep going in these circles. You say, so you want to get rid of the cops, except when there's a need for a cop, you're going to say, well, there'll be cops there, though. But see, this is just an urge, folks, at the, at the bottom of this, at the base of this, there's just this anti-cop sentiment that the left has, because ultimately the left is full of people that want to throw childish tantrums and do what they want to do and get away with it and not face consequences. And the left has created this vision of America in their heads where people are constantly being are being punished by police for reasons of race or reasons of class that have nothing to do with individual behavior, right? It's not that people are committing crimes, it's that the cops are bad. Again, so, so divorced from reality, so separate from what is observable all around you, that it's it's hard to fathom that anybody would say this out loud, never mind that they would try to base a national level uh, policy shift on this, but that is what they do. Now, the Democrats can try to, forget about this as much as they want i mean the the left can do whatever they want here to try to make all this go away but here here's the truth of the matter um the democrat party lost pretty much across the board in this election in terms of the momentum and the trends the waves they lost in state houses they lost seats in the house overall they you know they they look like they're not even they're not going to take back the Senate, although I know that's not a done deal. And a big reason for for the reason, or a big reason rather why the Democrats didn't do better was because in suburbs actually of major cities, there are a lot of people who, even if they didn't like Trump, they did recognize that this defund the police stuff is crazy and that it endangers people. And that the lawlessness, remember, there's there's a kind of psychosisness of mass lawlessness that happens when you see looters and rioters getting away with something in your hometown. People feel less safe. And those who are the criminal element see that and they see the lack of consequences and say, oh, OK, so that's the political environment right now. Remember, politics drives law enforcement, unfortunately. Right there has to be a the political will to enforce laws and to hold criminals accountable or else law enforcement does not have the support it needs to do these things. So when you have that kind of mass lawlessness on display people turn around and they say, "Hmm, hold hold on a second. What else can I get away with if I'm a criminal and if you're a good person, if you're a law-abiding person, you say, Am I going to be safe here going forward with this Democrat point of view? And this wasn't just this isn't just a rhetorical question. This isn't just thinking aloud. This had an effect on the most recent election. This was a real thing that we saw play out where people who could have gone for Democrats could have gotten more Democrats elected to the Congress. Now you'd say, oh, Buck, well, why was it enough for Trump to have some sweeping victory over Biden? Because the media spent four years saying that Trump was Hitler. And unfortunately, the media is still powerful. And unfortunately, you know, there are enough people that listen to them. And I don't think that the and and there was covid. Right. I mean, so you add all these things together and you had a bizarre year where not Trump was a was a powerful enough political slogan, unfortunately, to to at least get us to this point. You know, but uh, Barack Obama Saying this about defund the police just goes to show you that even even Obama recognizes that there's a cost to all this. Now, I'm also going to tell you this. I think that there's a a degree of of second tier or second level politics all around this. Where uh, Obama doing this, saying this. Kind of helps push this narrative that the Biden team, right, because Trump, I mean, Obama and Biden are are linked, vice president, president. We all know this, but kind of pushes this idea forward that, oh, see, Obama will call out defund the police because it's a way of saying that, you know, Biden and his incoming team, who are really a lot of them are Obama, you know, recycles, recyclables or whatever people that came from the Obama administration, that they're not going to be radical. They'll even upset Rashida leave. you know, they'll even upset Ilhan Omar uh, and say things like this. I think that that's for public consumption. I think at some level this is actually a PR exercise designed not so much to change the defund the police narrative as to allow the media with this, what they believe will be this new Biden administration, to continue to tell everybody, oh, Biden's so moderate. Oh, Biden's a guy. He's not radical. You can trust him. There's no no big deal. And I think people are recognizing increasingly that they'll see. I I believe they'll see in time that that's not true. You know who won't see it, though? That uh, that blow-dried imbecile Joe Scarborough. Play seven.
2: Democrats who think Joe Biden wants anything to do with any investigations regarding anybody whose last name is Trump doesn't understand how washington works joe biden is interested in moving legislation forward joe biden is interested in getting things done his first 100 days uh just like gerald ford yeah you know he pardoned richard nixon because he wanted our long national nightmare to be over
1: joe biden is interested in getting things done i
2: mean
1: Joe Scarborough's a Demi- Joe Scarborough's a Democrat and has been for years, or he's just whatever he has to be on TV. There's so much of that, isn't there, in the media? The people that'll say whatever doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Whoever will pay them the most, they're they're almost like uh, ambulance chasing lawyers. It's just all about wherever they can get the most cash. You know, there's no ethics involved. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of that in politics in general, but particularly in political media, you'll see people have they have no allegiance to principles or or ideas. And what I think is so fascinating is they also will accuse people that support Trump of exactly that. There's this projection that goes on when I mean, I could sit here and I have. I've told you about things that Trump has done that I don't like, that I disagree with. Stylistically, there are areas where I would have taken a I would have wanted the president, I should say, to take a different approach. But on the ideas, I think the ideas are really powerful and important and strong and on what the movement represents. I think that he's proven with things like the trade deals. I think he showed with results. That those of us who had our, our, our qualms or, or had you know questions about this, well, turns out he was right. He was right on China, he was right on trade, he was right on the border. These are things where Trump proved the model, so to speak. Uh, but the leftists and the, the people that want to now be the Former Republicans who have a there's a, a newfound respect for them among Democrats. That's the the term that will be used. A newfound respect. Uh, people like that, they you know, you turn around, and you say. What exactly were they doing all this time for all these years when they were representing certain political interests and pushing forward certain ideas? Was that all part of, of a scam just because they were it was benefiting them Them. I mean, the uh, benefiting them at that time, like Joe Scarborough. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Joe Biden wants to get stuff done in his first 100 days. Yeah. Like what? Who even knows what Joe Biden represents? Other than the Democrat Party, and he'll be essentially a you know, marionette for left wing interests and big corporations and big tech. But well, what are Joe Biden's big ideas? I'm not Trump. I'm going to come in and I'm, you know, no joke, man. I'm going to sign these bills and we're going to we're going to build back better. Yeah. We're going to... Right? Remember, remember Joe Biden with some of those great moments of the campaign trail? In and I the pressure. There we go. In and I the pressure. That's your next president, everybody, if the Democrats get their way in this whole recount fight. That's who it's going to be. And they're going to tell you he's a genius. Great leader. Yeah. And I look, and I, you know, maybe he's right. I can't wait to hear him at the first State of the Union address when he lays out the Biden agenda and it's, you know, we're going to build back better and we're going we're to do all these great things and we're going to do the
0: skeptic. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
2: On the same day. That Barr said that a judge forced his Department of Justice to tell us something else, that it had been keeping quiet. They are investigating allegations of people seeking to bribe their way into pardons. That comes out just as we hear that Rudy Giuliani and others are asking for exactly that, pardons. Question is... For what? Talk about a guilty conscience. There's not even an investigation yet. You want a pardon? And you're telling me everything you do is legit, but you want a pardon? The New York Times is reporting tonight that along with a potential Giuliani pardon, Trump has discussed with advisors whether to grant preemptive pardons to his kids, Ivanka, Don Jr., and Eric, and also to his son-in-law, Jared. What does that say? That he wants to excuse them for things before anybody's even saying there's an investigation. Now, bad news for Trump translates into good news for the drama finally ending around this transition.
1: Maybe. And let's just put aside for a second that I think we all know that there's essentially no chance. There's essentially no chance that Chris Cuomo will go back and apologize to of these people that he's effectively claiming need a pardon here. Oh, there's reporting. Yeah, well, when the reporting... Doesn't actually bear out what what's being said here. Do you think he's going to say, "Oh, maybe Rudy Giuliani didn't actually need a a federal pardon"? I'm just saying, if we get to that point, which is likely, I assure you, they will not go back on air. Cuomo will not go back on air at CNN. You know, put down the metrics weight gainer for a second or whatever, and you know, put down the weights and actually be smart for a second. Not going to do it. He's. He's going to just skip past this after he's done with the smear job. But also think about how they never give any thought whatsoever to why Trump would have to pardon himself and his family. It's not because they did anything wrong. It's because they'll try to manufacture. They lied about Russia collusion. They created a fake crime that did not happen. And then they investigated people and then they got them jammed up on process crimes from the hyper overzealous investigation. As we know, And they even lied about what was done in the investigation in the case of General Flynn to ambush him and to take him down. So why would Trump and why would his family members need a pardon to protect them from these psychotic libs? That is why they would need a pardon. That is why they may have to do that. And I understand it's bad optics, but I'm just going to say this. Do you trust Democrats when they claim that they would not bring an investigation against Donald Trump? Do you trust him? I don't trust them. Why wouldn't they? They've been saying for years that he is a criminal, that he's gotten away with everything. And the process is the punishment. So even though there's no criminality, even though there's nothing they could find. You don't think that they would get joy out of out of putting Trump through you know, numerous federal investigations and burning up millions and millions of dollars in legal fees and all the stress and the deposition? Of course they would. There's, there's no good faith from these people. This whole, oh, we're the Democrats, we think we won, so we're, we're all good faith and we care about the republic. It's all bull. It's all bull. We know it. So I understand that it wouldn't look good, but maybe Trump does need to pardon himself and his whole family because the left are a bunch of uh, barbarians. They get in charge, they run the DOJ, they'll bring investigations against Trump. They investigated him for three years over Russia collusion, which didn't even exist.
0: Thanks for listening to the Buck Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ain't no party like a Team Buck party, because a Team Buck party don't stop. Yeah, we got Buck turned up to 11 time for roll call
1: roll call everybody facebook.com slash buck sexton team buck at iheartmedia.com if you want to send us an email also i'm on tiktok buck sexton and instagram buck sexton yeah yeah making it happen making it happen producer mark Anything exciting going on in your world this week, man? It feels like every day is Groundhog Day. You know, it's like that. Remember that Bill Murray movie? You ever see it?
5: Yes, I have seen it.
1: Great movie. Hmm. It's a little bit like that. Wake up, radio all day, go to sleep. Wake up, radio all day, go to sleep. I feel like you must do something exciting.
5: No, I don't do anything exciting. I do the same thing you do
1: with a little more free time. (sighs) Radio, radio, radio. I wonder, you know, if if a vocal box could have a six-pack... Could have six-pack abs. I'm sure my vocal box would. Because that's where all my energy goes these days. Spending a lot of time on that. So, yeah. Uh, I wish I could have cool stories for people. But I feel like New York, you know, we're going to be shutting down more and more. It's not going to stop. So, you know, it's gonna time to hunker down, man. Get ready for some Netflix and nap time. And radio, of course. That's it. Those are going to be the worst
5: vacations we've ever had when we take off at the end of the year.
1: Uh, I mean, we'll figure something out. Tell me this. Uh, what's the latest and greatest with, with you and and your friends, the New York Mets? Any news there?
5: Well, they signed a relief pitcher.
1: All right.
5: Well, things okay. are moving slow right now because of the economy and everything and all the uncertainty. You know, the, the hot stove is what they call the free agency in uh, baseball, but it's been kind of a cool stove
1: lately. Uh, I hear that. All righty. Well, let's let's. Uh, Dive into the roll calls. We're checking with producer Mark. See how we oh, hey, By the way, do you do anything fun for Hanukkah? In general? Uh, yeah. We might see
5: my in-laws, uh, light a menorah to exchange gifts. So, yeah, that's the stuff.
1: That's yeah, what I mean. It's more is fun when sp- you're a kid. Is there like a special meal?
5: Not really. I mean, I think my in-laws might make, lo- make latkes. I was going to say, when too. do you do the
1: challah bread?
5: Challah bread is technically every Friday night. For Shabbat. Ah,
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah. Learn something new. All righty. Um, I love latkes, by the way. I will say that. I, I have appropriated that from your people, and I love them. They're I delicious. Mean,
5: what's not to love about fried potato pancakes?
1: Fried potato pancakes. You throw a little bit of. Ooh. And if, you go, if you're really going to go bougie and go with either homemade or fresh applesauce, amazing. Uh, and I actually like them with sour cream, and I'll throw a little hot sauce on them, too.
5: I've so never hot, tried hot sauce. On
1: ooh. Telling you, game changer, game changer. All right, Robert, Team Buck, as always, thanks to all your team does to bring us information and rational analysis of the news. I'm particularly fond of how you approach the COVID-19 lockdowns, mask wearing, and the fact that these little dictators will not relinquish their newfound power until we the people stand up and say, no more, shields high. Robert, you have excellent taste. Thank you so much for your support. We do very much appreciate it. And yeah, look, I'm... I'm not even somebody people keep saying and my name pops up now along some fact checks with people like Berenson and Atkinson for being, you know, anti mask. And that's not even really. Yeah, I have questions about the effectiveness of everyone has questions about no one knows how effective they are. I think the general public maybe thinks they're I shouldn't say the general public, but a lot of people, the experts probably think they reduce it by I don't know. You know, 60 percent, 80 percent, something like that. That's how they reduce this. That's what they would say. I think it's maybe like two percent. Right? I mean, so I think that it's basically not really helping very much at all. And it's really annoying. But I don't know. But I do know what I do know is that mandates as a policy do not work. All right. That is just looking at mask mandates, compliance and caseload for covid mask mandates do not work. All right, This is a public policy debate and it's one that we should have. And the data is not on the side of the people insisting on infringing upon your freedom. And people say, where does it say you don't have to wear a mask in the Constitution? I say, uh, OK, well, we can also take the position that you have to do 100 pushups every morning for your health because there's no prohibition against that every morning. 100 pushups going to arrest you if you don't do it. Police powers. Right. At some level, the state's infringements upon individual autonomous uh, autonomy aren't even a question of law. It's a question of don't be a bunch of jackasses. This is crazy. And we're at that level. All right. In case that wasn't clear. Jeremiah Buck, love the show. I listen here in Grand Junction, Colorado on KNZZ. Jeremiah, we love our Grand Junction, Colorado audience. Colorado is a it's big team buck country. I got to tell you, we do very well. Producer Mark, you know that we do very well in Colorado. Yeah, we love our Denver affiliate. We got, well, Denver, but we got, we're all over Colorado, it turns out. We're big. We got a lot of podcast listeners in Colorado. So love you folks. Thank you so much for uh, your continued support. Who exactly certifies the election in each state? I thought it was state legislatures, which is why Rudy and Co are working the GOP-led legislatures in those states, but the secretaries of state in these states keep certifying results. Arizona just did today, November 30th. Do the results then go to the legislatures after the secretary of state? So confused, Jeremiah. I I I I cry uncle. I give out. I, I mean, I'd have to check and see. I think yes. I think the I think the legislator legislature cert, certifies and then the secretary of state like certifies the certification. I I honestly don't even really know. I mean, now you're getting into state by state, how this thing works. And, you know, the process is enormously complicated. So I will look into this because I want to have a good answer for you. I know that it's certified at the state level, goes to the electoral, and then then, then the state chooses their electors to go to the electoral college. I mean, that process, I understand. But as for how the Secretary of State mixes in with the actual legislature, uh, uh, you know, whew, man. Politics, man, it's crazy. Burke. Buck, love your show, Been listening while I work at night. Your impressions, especially to Fouch. And Governor Cuomo, crack me up. Regarding the Vanderbilt kicker Sarah Fuller, I'm a big college football and SEC fan, the league in which Vanderbilt plays. While I agree with your overall point about women playing men's sports, your analysis of Fuller's kick is incorrect. It is what is referred to as a squib kick, which is a type of onside kick that's intentionally short, Producer Mark can back me up on that. Fuller is the goalkeeper for Vandy's women's soccer and is definitely more than capable of kicking the ball long. Just want to provide a tiny clarity, tiny clarity to your analysis, more accurate in the future. Shields high. Well, Burke, I love that you love the show. I also think you're wrong here, uh, so so I appreciate that. Uh, you don't, you don't. It was not an onside kick, and the fact that she would go for a kick that put the other team at their forty-yard line, this was not strategy. This was the best that they could do, or the best that she could do, I should say, under the circumstances, in my view. Uh, I've seen other people who are really into sports analyze this, and they say, because that, that became the thing of, oh, it was a squib kick. Bruce producer Mark, was it a squib kick? I did not see any squib kick.
5: I mean, again, I don't know much about these two teams, but a squib kick is something you do if the other team has a really great return man and you want to keep the ball away from them. So that is a strategy. Right. I can't say if it was being used in that because
1: I don't know I, these teams. Burke, I think you're right about what a squib kick is, and that it is a possible situation. But this was, from what I saw, it was it was not a squib kick um, because a, a squib kick also you would kick it so that it would be um, you you'd want it to try to bounce funny to give you more time. I know it's not an onside kick, but you usually kick it up the middle and kind of have it hop around so that you don't get it to the right kick returner. This was just a really short kick, man. I mean, I, 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 hey, team, if I'm wrong, let me know. But I think I'm right on this one. But, Burke, we love you. Cool name. And you like the show. See so your team buck forever. Pablo. Buck, I listen to your show daily. Enjoyed your Dracula podcast. Well, Pablo, that's because you're a scholar and a gentleman. I was curious if you could possibly do something similar for Lincoln's first election. This election was very complicated. I believe it went to a vote on the House floor. I think this would do very well. Be informative and interesting. Shields high. Well, Pablo, um, I I think that's a cool idea, but I I can't tell you that I'm going to have the time really to do that and address that. So while thank you for bringing it up to me, I cannot make false, uh, false promises here because we are still scheduled for six more shields high episodes early in the new year. Going to be getting you all kinds of good stuff there. That is the plan. Uh, We're going to get you Malta siege of Vienna, uh, Lepanto battles. I like big battles and I cannot lie.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
1: More roll call coming your way. Remember, go to BuckSexton.com and check in on latest stories. Also, Facebook.com slash BuckSexton. If you haven't followed me on Facebook, please. Team, great way to keep in touch. See what we're doing. And uh, check us out there. And for all the fate of uh, the that uh, was going to say Facebook youngsters. That's not right. The TikTok youngsters out there. Buck Sexton's on TikTok. Don't stop. Gonna groove it till you drop. What is it? What's the lyrics, Mark?
5: Not what you just said.
1: Ah, I was close. I was close, though. I don't close. think so.
5: But, you know, some, some of the, you want to think, think
1: there was like a rhyme and, a, you know, a thing with a rhyme, you know, something like that. All right uh graham oh wait no sorry let's go to brian here sounds like you had a well-deserved relaxing holiday brian i did but it was a bit fattening but other than that uh you know because the, the real damage that i did was i went in, i went in hard in the paint on thanksgiving but then the leftovers the days after i was like mmm pecan pie for breakfast you know what i mean you had some of that, Mark, didn't you? Oh, of course.
5: I, yeah. I had an entire anniversary cake in my fridge. All oh, weekend. yeah, that was bad.
1: Yes. Yes, sir. I mean, because you can convince yourself when you've got food like that in the fridge, you're like anything. I can eat anything for, for Thanksgiving breakfast. Right. The day after. Of totally course. Legit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like, it's a, you know, anniversary cake or cereal. It's like the same thing, man. Same thing. These are these are the conversations I have in my head after thanksgiving which is also why now i've i've grown very fond of sweatpants and find belts to be evil i don't like belts because they tell you when your belly is growing because there's little notches that get tighter and tighter over time so belts are bad sweatpants with their drawstrings and their generally comfy nature are your friend that's what i've decided
5: that's what i almost exclusively wear now yeah it's me great too
1: Brian question. It's December 2nd. Why has Senator Kamala Harris not resigned her Senate seat? Perhaps this lawyer knows what's coming and is not willing to give up yet. Just in case, Brian, I don't have a good answer. I've, I've seen people point this out. Uh, I wish I could say that I thought it was indicative of Kamala not having a whole lot of confidence that, uh, you know, she's going to be um, she's going to be the VP. But I think she thinks she is. Uh, it might just be either an oversight or. Maybe there's no reason to do it now. And she likes staying in her Senate role for the time being. I, you know, I I don't know. I'd have to look into a little bit more. I've noticed this and I've seen people pointing this out. But to me, I don't I don't like to get excited about things we shouldn't get excited about. Right. I don't I don't like to look at indicators that I want to believe are true and then believe them for no good reason. Now, that may not be the case. Maybe she is hedging her bets. I, I can't say I just I don't have a read on this one. And I, I like to tell you all that, too. Sometimes I know I, I talk to you guys for hours and hours a day, and I appreciate so much how many of you listen across the country. Uh, and I, I always really do put it 100% into the show and give you the best I've got. But I also want to tell you when I just sometimes I just don't, you know, I don't really have a take. You know, that's why when, when we're talking about the Mets pitching staff, we go to producer Mark because producer Mark will continue to have takes for us on that. Right. Yes, always. Yeah. So so that's, you know, I, I know my wheelhouse. And so. On the, or, or even if it's within my wheelhouse, but I happen to be asleep at the wheel or not not up on it. And so that's that's one that I got to tell you. I think uh, I think it's clear. All right. That it's clear that it's not clear to me. Graham, not to be confused with the Graham cracker. I used to eat those back when I ate gluten. They were quite delicious, actually. You know, what I really liked for a while, too, mostly because the ads were super catchy. Producer Mark, you might have been like an amoeba or a tadpole at the time. I don't think you necessarily existed. But uh, Teddy Grahams, do you remember Teddy Grahams? Of course. They're great. I just want to eat those Teddy Grahams. I think you just confused a
5: song from Full House. Or am I that young that I don't realize that that was actually a commercial? I think I
1: just did. I think my brain just... Used the Full House Teddy Graham song as the Teddy Graham's ad, but actually it wasn't the ad. Yeah, I think you did that. Mm.
5: That was Uncle Jesse singing to Michelle.
1: That's right. That's right. He was a very talented man. As was Aunt Becky, who I believe is walking around now in orange pajamas all the time as a... uh, Prisoner. Am I or, or is she now or is she about to? I think like
5: she's that. in she's not in for long though so yeah, she could be out already
1: free Aunt Becky makes me so sad they locked up our Aunt Becky producer Mark over college admissions come on crazy crazy all right um, anyway back to sorry Graham you just you triggered me with these uh, Teddy Graham back in the day the Teddy Graham I think they had a cereal they had the cookies I, don't know, I like them. I like them mostly because of the commercial. I also remember I used to buy and I'd always want to get for Christmas for my mom, who was so, so kind to her children. She would get us whatever the Christmas toy is that we wanted, even when it was absurd. But I, but I remember, uh, you know, she would we, we would always want to get these things. Do you remember these um, cars that you would make this track for and they would do these commercials that made it look so cool and you'd make the cars go fast on the racetrack that you would build? You know, what I'm talking about Yeah, like a hot wheel. Yeah, kind of like kind of like Hot Wheels or whatever, but the commercial it always looked amazing. And then you'd get it and it would like it would, right away the car would fly off and the whole thing would break and it was crap. I, I went through many iterations of those. Anyway, uh, Graham says, Buck, I love the show and pass the buck often. Well, Graham, you're a great man with a cool name. I'm curious uh, how you feel about Bill Barr's pick as Trump's best cabinet. Personally, I think he says the right things, but no action. There hasn't been any constitutional protection provided by suing states about these draconian lockdowns. No results in the Durham probe. Non-existent on the General Flynn issue other than dismissing charges. Unable to find anything to celebrate the AG Barr pick about. My pick is Mike Pompeo. He's been loyal, strong, calm, and an excellent Secretary of State. Uh, well, Graham, I told you that earlier in the show, if you were listening, that the, the getting in front of the effort to impeach Trump, I mean, Barr may have saved the Trump presidency. We'll be very clear about that. They were going to try to rally an impeachment against him based on the 10 articles of obstruction, possible obstruction or whatever, and instances of obstruction. And Barr got ahead of that. And they got the charges against Flynn dropped. Uh, So there's been some pretty good stuff here. And they've got a special counsel now for the Durham probe. So let's keep an eye on that. Thanks for listening, everybody. Shields high.